as we start this new series called Thrive. Um, in, in the Mishnah, now the Mishnah is, uh, think if you will, um, it's a Jewish ancient commentary on the Old Testament, on the Old Testament books of the Bible. And, and, and a commentary basically is, is someone who studies the scriptures and gives their uh, educated thoughts on it. And in the Mishnah, uh, it, it, there is this, this, this commentary where somebody has taken that and they have made a blessing out of something that's in the Mishnah. And here's the blessing. The blessing is this. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Now here's, here's what this means. In, in ancient times, people learned the scriptures. They learned about God, and they learned about how to live life from rabbis. Now, rabbis were teachers of the scriptures. They're very similar to kind of what my job description is. In some ways, they were these ancient, these Jewish pastors, so to speak. And what would happen is a rabbi would come into a house to teach the scriptures to the family and whoever was gathered there. And, and they would give the, the rabbi a stool to sit on, and then everybody else would sit on the floor. And, and oftentimes in the ancient world, uh, the floors were either dirt floors or they were dusty just from people uh, walking in and, and coming in and bringing dirt on their, on their sandals, so to speak, with them. And so, so when you would get up from the rabbi's teaching, you would be covered in dust. That's one image. There's another image where, and you see Jesus doing this a lot, where he would walk from place to place with his disciples. Now imagine the, the, the arid um, uh, climate of Israel. And so you can imagine as you're walking along the street uh, and you're walking along these roads from one village to the next, it stirs up dust. And so, so a, a rabbi would walk and his disciples would walk behind him and listen. And he would ask them questions and, 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 and teach the scriptures and teach about God and teach about life. And so this blessing of may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi means may you be a person who listens to and who learns from and who, who sits at the feet of and who walks with a teacher of God's word to learn how to learn about God and how to live a godly life. And so with this blessing in mind, let me ask you this question. Whose dust covers you? Whose dust covers you? In other words, who are you learning about God and life from these days? Who do you listen to as you walk? Who do you, who do you read as you sit down? And in the church today, we, we have a word for this, and it's a word that I just used called, called discipleship. It's called disciple. Now, discipleship is the process of learning about God and life from someone. Now, here's a statement that may give you a little bit of pause, but I think if you think about it, you'll see the truth in it, and it's this. You are always being discipled by someone, right? You are always being discipled by someone. You are always sitting at the feet figuratively. You are always walking along with listening figuratively to someone. Because you see, you're always learning about God and life from someone. The question is, who? Whose dust covers you? You see, some of us turn to news outlets, right? And, and we learn about how to live life from these news outlets. Now, some of us, it's what I love about fellowship. Some of us are listening to conservative news outlets. Some of us are listening to liberal news outlets. Some of us are listening to somewhere in, the, in between. And then some of us are listening uh, to those on the extreme. But the point is, their dust covers you. Now, some of us, 
learn about God and we learn about life through social media. Right? We, we, we check our Instagram posts. We check Facebook posts. We, we, we were on YouTube learning from influences there about fun and about politics and about fashion and news and life. See, their dust covers you. Some of us learn from our friends. Their dust covers you. Some of you learn from me in this church. Our dust covers you. Kids, you learn about God and life from your parents. It means their dust covers you. And so back to my question, if you give a minute just to think about it, whose dust covers you? Who are you learning from? Who are you learning about God and life from? Who is discipling you? Well, if we see, what if we see an invitation today an invitation into discipleship, an invitation uh, to have the best rabbi, the best teacher, the best pastor, an invitation from that person to allow their dust to cover you. Imagine if you had the best teacher, the best pastor, the best rabbi invite you to become their disciple. Well, that's what we're going to see today. And I'm going to tell you right now, too, the invitation that we're going to see today will sound familiar because I'm sure all of y'all have heard about it. But I'm going to hopefully show you just how scandalous it is as well. And what I hope happens at the end of this message is that we're all willing to let the dust of Jesus cover us in a way that we weren't before this message started. Because today we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, right? We are covering one whole verse. Now, if you're just tuning in to watch us at Fellowship, we love to teach through books of the Bible, but every once in a while uh, we will pause and teach through a series. Um, and, and, and that's what we're doing right now as we look at discipleship. And as you're turning there, and I really would love for you to get your Bible and open up to Mark chapter 8. As you're turning there, I want to get you in the Jewish mindset of, of what we call discipleship. Because, because this book, our Bible, was written at, at a, to, to a Jewish people. There was also written to an ancient Roman people. But, but it, sometimes it's important to understand the culture and the context that the Scriptures were written in. And this is, this is one of those verses. And so because our focus for the next four weeks is going to be this idea of discipleship. Right now, here's what I want you to know. My desire for you, as we go through this next four weeks talking about discipleship, my, my desire for you is to learn more about God in life and to step into that intentionally, and, and particularly for these next four weeks and then beyond. But my desire isn't, especially right now, gosh, we've got so much going on in our world, don't we? And my desire for you as a church, for you as a follower of Jesus, isn't just to survive these times. My, my, my hope is for you to thrive during these times. It's why we're calling this series Thrive and, and, and Intentional Life, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to see an invitation into discipleship, and in the next three weeks, we're going to unpack what that looks like here at Fellowship. And what I hope happens is that what we talk about for the next three weeks, uh, you're going to be seeing this image a lot. 
this image of a triangle about, about living life with Jesus and in God's word and for others. And, and, and what I hope is that as we unpack what each one of these means, I hope that you're going to see this image a lot over the next few weeks. And I hope, too, that not only are you going to see this image a lot, that it's going to help shape and form what we, what we think about discipleship and how, what we think about God and how we live our lives. And in all of that, I hope that we learn how to thrive in this thing called life, especially in these times. Well, let's look at our passage today, because like I said, it is a short verse, but it is a packed one. Mark 8, 34 says this. It says, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let me ask you, any of that sound familiar? Like that, the word follow me, it probably sounds very familiar. That's the invitation. What we're going to see is it wasn't, it's not just familiar to you. It was familiar to those who were standing in the crowd listening to this. But it's also very scandalous in this invitation. Now we're going to unpack this bit by bit as we go over this verse. And the first thing I want you to notice is who was Jesus talking to? So look back at the very beginning of, of Mark chapter 8 verse 34. Who is Jesus talking to? Because there's two groups of people. Do you see them? It says, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them. Right? And so so there's this crowd of people that are with Jesus. Right? And then he has his disciples that are with him as well. To kind of help paint a picture of this, think about this crowd of people. We don't know how big. It was a fairly large crowd. That's why it's called a crowd. But in them, we also know that, that there were a lot of people who were curious about Jesus. Jesus was this new teacher on the scene, and there were rumors around some that he is the promised Messiah. But all these people would come because he would do miracles and heal people and, and, and set people free. And, 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 and so there were in this crowd, there were lots of people who were curious about what he was teaching. And then there was also this group of people that Jesus had selected to follow him. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Those are called the disciples. And, and, and they were committed to Jesus, at least as much as they could be, as much as they, they knew what commitment was. They were committed to him. And so Jesus is speaking to these two groups of people, the crowd, the curious, and then the disciples, the committed. And with those two groups in mind, I want you to keep in mind because I'm going to come back to them at the end. But to all of them... The curious and the committed, the crowd and the disciples, Jesus says this. He says, if anyone. Right? So he starts off in saying anyone. Now here's why this is important. Even though there's two groups, Jesus is speaking to all of them. And he is speaking to anyone who would listen. Now here's the deal with Jesus. Jesus says anyone means anyone. Right? It meant to the men who were in that crowd. It meant to the women who were in that crowd. It meant to the kids who were in that crowd. It meant to the Jewish people that were in that crowd and probably to the Roman people. I'm assuming there were Roman people there. Jesus was talking to them as well. So it was to anyone who was there. Man, woman, child, adult, Greek, Roman, or from whatever country they were from. If they were listening to him, Jesus had something that he wanted to tell them. And he says this. If anyone would come after me. Now that's another way to say if anyone would follow me. Jesus looks at this crowd of anyone. Which is part of the reason when I introduce myself to the church and I introduce you to the church. I say we are, we are here for you no matter who you are or where you are. 
right? It's anyone. Jesus looks to all of them, looks to anyone. He says, come after me. He says, follow me. Now, to the disciples that are in this crowd, this would have sounded very familiar to him. And it would have been scandalous at each time. Because each one of them had heard Jesus say the same thing to him. They had, they had heard Jesus look at them and say, hey, John, hey, James, follow me. Hey, Andrew, hey, Simon, follow me. Hey, Matthew, follow me. And each one of them had heard Jesus say this because this is what rabbis say to those who are their disciples. A rabbi would look at someone and say, follow me, and they would become his disciple. But it's not that easy, right? Let me tell you kind of what what happened in the Jewish culture to become a disciple of a rabbi. Because when you were a disciple of a rabbi, that's where their dust would cover you. You would sit and listen to them teach, and you would walk along the road with them. But Jesus says this to people who never thought they would hear it, right? Because in the Jewish culture, there is a very specific path to becoming a disciple of a rabbi. All right, here's what I want you to do. How many listening to me right now are between the ages of 5 and 12? All right, did you raise your hands? I hope so, because that's really cool, right? Because here's what would happen if you were raised during this time in a Jewish family. If you're between the ages of 5 and 12, boy and girl, you would learn to read and write by memorizing the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And you wouldn't just memorize the name of the books. You would memorize all the words in those five books of the Bible. And let me tell you, some of those words are pretty big words and hard words and hard to understand. But if you were being between 5 and 12, you would learn to read and write by memorizing those first five books of the Bible. And then you would be done at the age of 12 or 13 in that, in that range. Now, who out there is between the ages of 13 and 15? Because let me tell you what would happen with you. But if you were between the ages of 13 and 15... Most likely, uh, that's where your education would stop, would be at 12 years old. Particularly if you were a girl. If you were a girl, your education stopped there because there was no education ahead of you for, uh, for you. You would get married. You would start a family. That would be your path. If you were a boy, you would go into the family business which is why you see a lot of the disciples were fishermen. Uh, Matthew didn't take on the family business, at least not that we know of. He ventured off on his own and became a tax collector. But a lot of the disciples were doing the family business. Now, if you were a young man and between the ages of 5 and 12, you showed this great propensity, this great ability to learn the Scriptures and think through the Scriptures and, and answer the questions of the teachers that were teaching you, then you could go on. And between the ages of 13 and 15, 12 and 15, somewhere in that range, you would memorize the rest of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And in that time, you would not only memorize it, you would, you would have these teachers ask you really hard questions about it, and you would ask them questions about it, and it would be this back and forth and back and forth. And if you still showed a propensity then at the age of 15, Uh, You could either go into the family business, or if you showed this propensity, you could continue on. And the next step is that you would choose the rabbi that you wanted to continue your education with. Much like we choose colleges that we want to go to, right? The colleges don't necessarily choose us, we choose them. That's That's what a good student would do, is they would look at the rabbis that they knew, and they would say, I like this one. 
I'm going to go learn from them. And then the rabbi would sit down with them for a few weeks and teach them. And then if the rabbi liked them, the rabbi would look at them and say, will you follow me as a disciple? Come and follow me. And that was the path. So, so, so we, we, and this is why this, this phrase, when Jesus says this to the crowd, it sounds familiar to the disciples, but it's also scandalous because Jesus had done that to them. Jesus had taken this group of people that weren't good students, right? Any not good students out there listening to me? In the, in the Jewish ancient culture, you wouldn't have made it uh, past grade school, right? I wasn't a good student in grade school. I get these disciples. I would have gone on into the family business. I do find it interesting, too, that Jesus apparently wasn't a very good student because do you know what Jesus did for a living? He was a carpenter, right? He was in the, he was in the business that his dad did. He was in the family business. And part of that, I wonder if because since Jesus wrote the scriptures, you know, if, if, if your teacher is teaching something and you raise your hand and you go, yeah, that's not what I meant when I wrote that. That probably doesn't go over very well with, with some rabbis and some teachers. So, so, so in all of that, Jesus looked at these guys who didn't go through his formal education, and he told them, follow me. To Simon and Andrew, they were literally fishing and tending their nets, and Jesus showed up and said, hey, come follow me. And they left them behind and did that. James and John were also in the fishing business. Matthew, as I said, was a tax collector. And Jesus said, follow me. And he left a very lucrative and slightly immoral business to follow Jesus. That's why it all sounded familiar to them, but it's also scandalous. Because like I said, none of these guys were students of the Scripture, but it's also scandalous as to Jesus saying this to remember anyone. That's part of the reason this was scandalous too, because, because these guys, these disciples, they never thought a rabbi would say that to them. That's like Yale or Harvard level for them. They weren't there. He chose a bunch of men who didn't have uh, the credentials to follow a rabbi. But that wasn't just as scandalous as it was because Jesus looked to this entire crowd of people who were curious. Remember, it was men and women and boys and girls. And it was, it was, it was Jewish people and Roman people and people from all over wherever they were from were there. And Jesus gave them this invitation of a rabbi and saying, come, follow me and be my disciple." You see, these guys weren't looking for a rabbi to follow Uh, They weren't looking for a rabbi to follow. The disciples, they were looking for fish to catch. And Matthew was looking for people to collect money from. And this crowd was looking just maybe for answers of life. They were looking for hope. And to them, Jesus said, follow me. It's why in John chapter 15, there's this verse uh, where Jesus emphasizes the fact of of his discipleship process is very different because because in John 15 it says you did not choose me but I chose you to see Jesus takes this 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 discipleship process and he turns it right side up and he chooses a bunch of people that that aren't good enough learners that 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 are doing the family business that would never think they would do what we end up seeing them doing to follow the best teacher and best rabbi ever and this was scandalous. But remember, it was also scandalous to everyone who heard Jesus say that. Particularly, remember this. Remember women, even if they were the smartest people in the room, couldn't move on to the next level of education. But to them, 
Jesus looked at them and invited them to follow him, invited them to come after me. And that's what you see in Jesus' ministry. You see this, particularly in the book of Luke, you see just how, how, how honoring Jesus is to women and how much freedom he gives them in ministry. But the point here is that Jesus' invitation is this scandalous invitation to everyone. And so if you're, if you're listening to this, this invitation wasn't just for them back there. This invitation is for you today, too. No matter who you are or where you are, you're under the umbrella of Jesus as anyone. And that invitation is for you to follow him, for you to come after him, for you to let Jesus' dust cover you. And that is a real invitation. Let me ask you, have you ever had anyone invite you to something that you never thought you'd get invited to before? Maybe it was the first day of school and, 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 and you walk into the building and you get through the first couple of classes. Those are hard enough because you don't know anybody, but then it's time for lunch. And, and you walk into the cafeteria and, and you really don't know anybody. And maybe somebody invited you to their table and it changed everything. You had a new best friend. Maybe someone invited you to the party that you didn't think you'd be able to go to. Maybe somebody invited you into, into an organization or a group that you've always admired from afar. It feels good to be invited, doesn't it? I remember one time uh, I was walking into a group of people. Stacy and I were. And we had met some of the people but didn't really know any of them. And, and across the room, there was a couple that we had said hi to and had a, a couple of conversations with. But I walked in and I did that scan of, okay, how are we going to do this? Do we just interrupt somebody and go sit at their table? Do we sit by ourselves? How do we navigate this? And I looked across the room and that guy met my eye because he was standing up waving at me to come sit with them. Let me tell you, that simple invitation of being invited to the table was this beautiful relief for me and Stacy? You see, Jesus in this invitation into discipleship, Jesus in this invitation to let his dust cover you, he is looking right at you and he is inviting you to thrive with him. He is inviting you to his table. And he is inviting you to learn about God and life specifically from him. And this invitation takes your agreement because here's what Jesus does. He's not just going to invite you. He wants you to know exactly what you're getting into. And I can appreciate that because before you say yes to this invitation, even if you are already a, a, a Christian, this invitation is to go deeper. But, but, but before you say yes, let's let Jesus show you what this invitation actually looks like. And what's going to be required of you. Because after he says, if anyone would come after me, he says, let him deny himself. Now, this word deny means to turn away from. It means to, you're, you're facing this way and you turn away to something else. It's the, it's the word that is used of Peter when he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, he, he turned away from what he knew to be true to protect his, his reputation, to protect his image, to protect whatever it was that, that he was protecting. Well, Jesus here says that to follow him means to turn from yourself to follow him. And now here we see this. And, and oftentimes when I hear that word deny and I think of what I have to give up, right? I think of diet. Right? 
It's what food I can't eat instead of what food I can eat. Well, listen, in Jesus' time, denying yourself was simply the cost of following a rabbi. It's why, it's why, it's why Andrew and, and, and Simon and, and John and James, it's why they left the family business to follow Jesus. It's why Matthew left tax collecting to follow Jesus. If a disciple, if a rabbi said, follow me, you left behind your old life to be able to do that. It's a call to shift your life into a place where you can learn about God and learn about life from someone. It's a call to shift your life and learning. And so this invitation is an invitation to intentionally learn from Jesus. So you might be thinking, what does this mean? Does this mean I quit my job? Does this mean, does this mean I go into full-time ministry? What does this mean? Here's what it means. It means the same thing for you as it does for me, as it does for anyone. It means that we change anything that is preventing us from learning from Jesus first and primarily. We change anything that is preventing us from learning from Jesus first and primarily. It is a call. A call to deny yourself means that you leave behind your old way of doing things. You leave behind your, own, your old schedule, your old spending habits, uh, maybe jobs, maybe friendships. If they are preventing you from learning from Jesus first and primarily, that's what you leave behind because you're turning to Jesus. Kids, adults, uh, all of us. It might mean that you put your phone down first thing in the morning instead of picking it up first thing in the morning. It might mean you put the remote down instead of picking the remote up first thing in the morning. My personal habit, I do not check email until I have my time with Jesus first. Until I have, some people call it a quiet time, personal devotional time. Until I spend time reading my Bible and praying and hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing from Jesus about my day, I do not check email and I try not to check the news. Because I don't want them telling me about my day before Jesus does. I've known people who have passed over jobs and not taken promotions because it would have shifted their priorities so much that Jesus wouldn't have had that first and primary place of teacher to them, of of God to them. I know people that have even passed that up uh, so that they could serve in a church that they know and love. You see, this denying self to learn from Jesus is what the question you must ask yourself. What, What does it mean for you? I know people who have made much less money, so it allows them time to learn from Jesus. It gives them that margin. Well, look at what Jesus says next, because it's not just to deny yourself. Look at what else he says. He says, and take up his cross. Now, keep in mind, this was before Jesus had taken up his cross and was crucified. Now, I think this is obviously foreshadowing of what was going to happen, but it was an image that those in the crowd and his disciples were familiar with because criminals were, were crucified and they would, they would carry their cross from the place of their trial to the place of their crucifixion. And so for them, this image meant something. It meant uh, that, that following Jesus would be a one-way journey, right? Because those, those criminals were going to the place of their death. There was no turning back. It was a one-way journey for Jesus when he carried his cross. What makes us think it would be any different for us? And so this call to take up your cross is is a call to live the way Jesus 
lives, to live like Jesus and to live like him and with him the rest of your life. It is this one-way journey. And so it is this invitation to intentionally live like Jesus. And so we have two intentional invitations. One is to learn from Jesus, right, to live life with him. And the other is to, is to live like Jesus, to live life like Jesus did. Look at verse, uh, the last little part. It says, and follow me is what he told those listening. So take up your cross and follow me. That's the invitation. The invitation that all of the crowd and all the disciples heard would be to follow him. And so the question for all of us is, will we? The question is, will you follow Jesus? Will you let the dust of Jesus cover you? And I know you want to say yes. Right? At least I hope you do. I mean, why, why spend your Sunday morning watching this if you don't, right? But can I take a minute and tell you what will prevent you and me from following Jesus every single time, from letting his dust cover us? What will prevent us, you and me, from being his disciple? Because I see two things in our culture. I see it in my own soul. And I'm going to be honest, I see it, not like I haven't been honest this whole sermon, but I want to highlight it. I've seen it in this church. Y'all, this isn't some, some theory that I have. This is something that, that I hope speaks into the culture of our church and shifts it. And it's this. We don't like to deny ourselves, do we? We don't, we don't like to deny ourselves. You see, we, we, we don't like to turn our attention away from us to Jesus. And, and we don't really want to live with Jesus. Now, here's what this looks like. It looks like a form of self-righteousness, if you will. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Because I've seen it particularly exposed during this, this season of COVID and during this pandemic. And it's this. That for a lot of us, in our culture right now, in the church culture here, even in my own heart, that's why I'm using the word us, not y'all, because this is us. This is me and you. We like to learn from people that we already agree with, don't we? We we want to pick our rabbi like they did. Well, Jesus flipped that upside down. He said, no, 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 I choose you. You you didn't choose me. I I choose you. Listen, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, here's what it means for us. We've got to be comfortable learning from Jesus, and it means learning from his people learning from his people that you might not agree with everything that they say. It means respecting and listening and learning from people that might see things differently than you do, from people that might that you might disagree with. Now, I know it's hard. Listen, listen, if Jesus' disciples only listened to the people that they agreed with, they wouldn't have listened to Jesus. Because if you look right above this verse, you see this great um, 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 event between Jesus and Peter where, where Jesus asks Peter a question and he nails it. He answers it right. And, and then Jesus ans, uh, asks Peter another question and he gets it so wrong that Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Like, if the disciples wanted to learn from someone they agreed with, they wouldn't be following Jesus. You see, as as disciples of Jesus, we can't learn from Jesus if we're not willing to change the way that we think. 
That's the first part. The next part is we don't like to take up our cross, right? We don't, we don't want to live like Jesus. We want to live like people who are already like us. We don't want to live with people who are different than us. We just aren't very comfortable being around folks who are different. And y'all, I'm telling you, this stops us from being a disciple of Jesus. Because look at the group that were his disciples. There were accountants. There were fishermen. There were people of all different kinds of, 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 of upbringings. And yet they were there together following Jesus. And then... You look ahead to Revelation and you see who the, who, who's going to occupy heaven and it's going to be people, I'm going to tell you, who are a whole lot different than you or me and a whole lot different than Fellowship Asheville. And so if we are going to live like Jesus, then we have to grow in our comfort of being around people who are different than us. You see, because Jesus is very different than you and he's very different than me. And Jesus hung out with all kinds of different people, not just his disciples. But man, he, he, was, he hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with partiers. So much so that the religious community thought that was a little too much for them. But that's the way Jesus lived. And that's what, as you read through the scriptures, that's what he's asking us to do, is to be comfortable with people who aren't like us. Now, kids, I feel like I need to say something specifically to kids here because your parents are freaking out right now by what you might be hearing. Here's what I want you to know. Your parents, their job is to teach you the truth. And part of their job, too, is to make sure the friends that are around you encourage your faith, not discourage your faith. And so, parents, if you need to have conversations with your kids about the friends that they have, that are too different in a sense of that, like they're diminishing your children's faith instead of uplifting your children's faith, have that conversation. Because kids, I want you to graduate high school and go into college with a deep and committed faith in Jesus. But I also want you to be comfortable being around people that are different than you and being so sure of your faith in Jesus that you can show them the light instead of, inside of you instead of letting the darkness overwhelm you. And so listen, y'all, if you're just learning from people that you agree with, and if you're just being around people who are already like you, let me tell you, Jesus has something bigger and better and more beautiful for you. You are surviving in life when you do that. And when you live with Jesus and you live like Jesus lives, you get to thrive in life. Paul, another writer of the Old Testament, told one of his disciples, Timothy, he told him in, in this verse in 1 Timothy, Paul said, Take hold of life that is truly life. Take hold of life that is truly life. You see, this is the invitation for you today. If, if you're in the crowd and you're curious about this teacher, Jesus, then, then your call is to be committed. Your call is to accept his offer, to accept his invitation into salvation. To say yes to Jesus' offer to, to pay the penalty for your sins so you can have this good and right and intimate relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. Your, your invitation is to say yes to his question of will you follow me. Now many of you listening have already done that. Your invitation is the same. Will you follow me? Will you live life with Jesus and will you live like Jesus? And if so, you're already committed 
Your call is to stay curious. The people that disagree with you, the people that you disagree with, is there truth in what they're saying? If so, you can learn from it. The people that, that are different than you, they, they, they have truth that you can learn from to be comfortable being around people who are different. So stay curious. Let them show you where you're wrong and where you're in error. Let Jesus applaud you where you're right. You see, this invitation to follow Jesus is to learn from the best rabbi. And so I'll leave you with this question. Will you let the dust of Jesus cover you? Will you let the dust of Jesus cover you? If your answer is yes, then I want you to join us for the next three weeks as, as we continue on this conversation with Thrive. But what I want us to do real quick right now is to actually take communion. Communion is this perfect picture of saying yes to Jesus' invitation. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, if you turn over a few pages uh, to Mark chapter 14, in verse 22, it, 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 it is this picture of where communion started. And so if you've got your elements together, if not, just hit pause and go get it real quick. Okay, you've hit play again. I'm back. Here's where we are. All right, I want you to, 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 to read along with me or just listen to me to Jesus' words as we take communion. And all that communion means, which means believers across the world today are taking these elements in unity. Right, That we are all letting Jesus' dust cover us. That he is our teacher, he is our pastor, he is our rabbi. And there are people that we would disagree with. There are people that aren't like us. And yet they're all saying yes to the same invitation. To his disciples, Jesus said this. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body. And so they were having their supper and Jesus broke the bread and they took it. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said of them, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. His blood shed for us. Let's pray. Jesus, your invitation is clear and true and sure, and it is to let, to, it, your invitation is to follow you, to let your dust cover us. And so, Father, I pray that we are able to do that. I pray that we are able to learn from you. The first part of our day, the best part of our day, we, we read your word and we listen to you, and I pray that we get comfortable living with people who are different than us, and we get comfortable learning from people who have truth for us that we don't know yet. And God, I pray that you make us all a more holy and righteous people through it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.